when the fall comes around, I think I can speak for most people when I say that the colors are definitely my favorite part. And as it turns out, a lot of the stunning oranges, reds, and yellows actually come from maple trees. We know that they make some delicious syrup. So grab your pancakes and waffles and let's get ready to talk about the wonder of these trees. Hi guys, and welcome to Branching Out. This is a podcast for getting to know our green neighbors one tree at a time. I'm Faith. I'm Ivy. I'm Cam. And you guessed it, today we're talking about maples. So since we were just talking about fall colors, let's start off with the basics. What does a maple tree even look like? The most notable feature is probably its leaves. And when you think of maple leaf, you probably think Canada, right? It's on their flags, it's on their coins, and it's the name of Toronto's professional ice hockey team. But they're just as popular here in the U.S. Go maple leaves. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So their leaves are what makes our fall fall. Maples have what are called simple leaves, which means that each leaf attaches individually to the twig. They're also oppositely arranged, so they sit across from each other, kind of like pears. And their shape is what we call palmate. So if you look at your palm, you have the base of your palm and also five fingers. Got it. Looking at my palm. (laughs) So basically it means that you have about three to five veins ranging out from the petiole, which is like the base of the leaf. So if your palm is the face, you'll have little lobes. And as for the bark, maple barks are usually gray and smooth when they're young, But what's interesting about them is as they age, it gets darker and starts to crack into long rectangular plates. So you can actually kind of guesstimate the age of a maple, whether it's young or mature, based on its bark. And a fun fact about red maple specifically, which is how I used to study for... Woody plants. Woody, the woody plants <laughs> class, yeah. is that with red maples, their twigs are light gray, similar to their bark color, but you can really clearly identify new growth because it'll be red in color, oh. yeah, which is very interesting. So if you are just walking around campus and you see a maple in the winter or something or fall and you get to see the twigs and the branches clearly, take a look and you'll see if there's red new growth, it's probably a red maple. And lastly, I think one of the most distinguishing characteristics about maples are their wing seeds. So they're formally called double samaras. You may also know them as helicopters or whirlers because when they fall, they spin and twist like helicopter propellers. Speaking of samaras, let's talk about how maples reproduce. So one of the reasons why maples are widespread is because they're pretty efficient at reproducing. Some trees have perfect flowers, which means that there are both male and female flowers present on the tree. This makes self-pollination possible. Others only produce male or female flowers, which means that cross-pollination has to occur. This can be done by pollinators or sometimes the wind. Maples usually produce flowers in the spring, and there's little delay in seed production. And those are the samaras that Faith was talking about. You've probably picked them up and let them spin down. It's really entertaining. But it also really helps the trees spread because they can travel by wind to a spot with more sun than under their mother's canopy. The seeds also don't require stratification or an extended germination like many other trees. That's really cool. I actually didn't know that. Now it's time to talk about where they are found. So maples are well known for their adaptability. They can live in a wide range of environments, and there are estimated to be between 124 and 156 species worldwide. And although it's hard to determine with 100% certainty, 
lot of recent studies on maple trees believe that the genus Acer first appeared in Asia and then later spread to Europe and North America during the Miocene, so a long time ago. And today, the majority of maples are native to Asia, with only 13 found in North America. That's kind of crazy to think about because I feel like I see maples all the time and where I was growing up there were always maples, but the fact that there are only 13 that are found here is kind of nuts. And the reason for that is that these 13 species are really widespread due to their adaptability to different soil types and different climates. An example of this is red maples. They can form these extensive lateral root systems in wet conditions and a long, deep taproot forms in dry conditions. And so because of this adaptability, they're actually able to be the most abundant trees in eastern deciduous forests, which run from all the way from Maine to Minnesota to Texas. That's so interesting. I didn't realize that they could develop different root systems yeah. due to where they live. Pretty so- crazy. Yeah, and if you're listening to our oak episode, 13 species doesn't sound like that much at all. But maples play an important role and their usefulness to us goes back hundreds of years. There are many Native American stories that I was able to find online about how they first learned to tap maple syrup. The Ojibwe and the Abenaki, who lived in southern Canada and the United States, have a similar story. Maple syrup collection used to be as simple as breaking off a branch and letting the syrup flow out, so no tapping or boiling was required like it is today. But people got lazy and would lay under the trees drinking (laughs) maple syrup and avoid their work. Typical. (laughs) I would do that too. too. (laughs) This part varies in the two stories, but a spirit found them laying like this and decided that they should have to work harder to reap the benefits from maple trees. The spirit got a pail of water from the river and poured it into the maple tree, which diluted the syrup until it was barely sugar water. This made it to where people could only tap the maples at a certain time of the year, and they had to work hard to boil lots of sugar water to get a little bit of maple syrup. And then the Iroquois told a story about a chief who threw his tomahawk into a maple tree, leaving a deep slash. He pulled it out and went on his way. There was a bucket lying near the maple tree, and later his wife went to collect water to cook dinner. She found the bucket full of water from the maple tree and used it to boil some meat. It ended up being very sweet and full of flavor, and that's how they discovered maple syrup. European settlers to the eastern United States and Canada learned from the Native Americans about this resource. Over the centuries, new technologies were developed to collect maple sap more efficiently, and it remains a valuable resource in many areas of the country. Fun fact, Canada produces the most maple syrup in the world. So, how is maple syrup made today? Oh, that's such a good question, and I can answer that. I have, for the past two years, actually tapped maple trees on campus. There are a couple of trees around the 40 And with the help of our professor Stan, along with Cody and some others, we've gotten to tapping and it's been really fun and delicious. So I'll give a little bit of background and information on how to actually tap maple trees and make maple syrup. And it's a pretty fun and seamless process and it does not take a lot of expertise to do so. It just takes gusto and patience. (laughs) In terms of the general rules for tapping maple trees, there are kind of a few things that we go by, and they're pretty set in stone. I think some people have certain nuances, but essentially it's that you want to only tap trees 10 inches in diameter or larger. Smaller trees we avoid because they're little babies and we don't want to harm them at all. And then with trees that are between 10 and 20 inches in diameter, only place one tap in this tree at a time. Larger trees can have more taps, but never put more than three taps in because we don't want to suck all of this beautiful juice out of the trees. Additionally, the best time to tap is during early spring or the end of winter, and that just depends on the weather conditions of the regions. And big rule is to make sure that you sterilize all the equipment before you use it. 
to eliminate potential contamination of bacterial growth because we don't want to have to throw away all of our syrup at the end. So a little more into when to actually tap these trees. As I said, the end of winter or early spring is the best time, but particularly the best time to do it is when you have some sort of sporadic weather going on. So during the day, you want it to be above freezing. So around 40 degrees Fahrenheit is perfect. And at night, you want it to be below freezing. So this temperature fluctuation is key to success. And the reason for this is that the fluctuation creates a pressure differential that actually forces the tap out during the day. And this is kind of a complicated situation that happens. So I won't go into a lot of the super duper details, but essentially it has to do with carbon dioxide forming when the sap is warmed inside of the tree. And when carbon dioxide forms, it's a gas, so it's expansive. And this expansion essentially forces the sap to flow out of our cute little tap that we've made and collect in our bucket. Okay, so we know the background. How do we actually tap a tree? Usually 5 sixteenths or 7 sixteenths bit is used and you'll drill the tree at a slight upward angle and that's just to ensure that the sap easily flows out of the tree and into the bucket. And ideally the hole should only be two to two and a half inches deep. Any more than this is kind of unnecessary because you don't need to go that deep and we may cause harm and then it's important to note something that a lot of people ask in sap production is that it's not harmful to tap these trees. Think about how massive these trees are. They're, you know, 60 feet tall or something. So making a two inch deep hole is kind of like if a human gets like a tiny little scrape on their wrist or something. It's not <laughs> it's not going to do much. Um, and they're incredibly resilient creatures, so they can pretty easily heal. So we have a hole. Now what? Insert the tap or the spile. And then you attach the tubing and you place one end into the spile and the other into the covered bucket. And then you wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh, good. <laughs> it's very much a waiting game. So wait until that bucket is full. And please don't leave it longer than a week because bacteria is not our friend in this situation. And once you have a bucket of sap, it's time to boil. A lot of people have really fancy boiling equipment, like there's a whole culture around creating these complicated boiling rigs. But as a college student, I have a fire pit. <laughs> we you keep know, it simple here. We keep it really simple. The Burning Kumquat Garden at WashU, they graciously allowed Outing Club, which is how I did the sap boil with my friend April. They allowed us to use their fire pit, so... So it very much looked like witchcraft. <laughs> and something to note is that the sap, when it initially comes out, essentially tastes like water. It's got a really low concentration of sugar because the ratio of sap to syrup is 40 to 1. So I need 40 liters of sap in order to make one liter of syrup, which, as you can imagine... Very efficient. Yeah, super <laughs> efficient. So that means it's a process. So in the past when I've done it, it's been an all-day affair. You kind of just like buckle up, bring your book, bundle and hang around the fire and by the end you smell a lot like smoke and your eyes are like a little bit burnt to the crisp <laughs> from all the smoke but it's totally worth it that's what i was about to say like i went to into a gas station and the cashier asked me if i had gone to a bonfire because i smelled so strongly of smoke from like across the counter <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it's it's bad i had the jacket i was wearing it's just my winter jacket and i washed it twice and it just still smells like smoke I so. kind of like the smell of smoke, that, like, bonfire I love it, yeah. But, like, this is, it's so concentrated <laughs> that you're walking around, like, a burning bush or something. It's, like... And it doesn't even just smell like wood smoke. It has, like, a like a deeper it aroma. Has a, it's sort it of, has like, a, a bitterness. Aroma. Yes, it does. Oh. I don't know what it, that is. I think it's the sap. The maple? I don't know. The maple? Maybe it's the maple. <laughs> anyway, so we've done this boil, right? 
and now we have syrup. And the reason you can tell it's syrup is because the sap starts to sort of bubble slowly and it becomes really viscous. At that point, you just want to get it off the flame as quickly as you can and it's ready to try. I might be a little biased, but I believe that open fire maple syrup is by far the best form of maple syrup. It has kind of the richness and the smokiness in addition to it just being like delicious and sweet. And Cam tried it, so. Yeah, it was there. It tasted really real is the only way I can describe it. Like it tasted definitely different than (laughs) store-bought. That's our hope. I wonder if you could just take the unboiled sap and just drink it like water. I bet you could. Like it would probably be good. I would try it. (laughs) I would too. I'm not recommending anything, but... But besides the maple syrup, maple trees have a ton of different compounds in them that are antioxidant, but they're also anti-cancer and anti-neurodegenerative. So in 2017, researchers at URI have identified over 100 different compounds in maple trees that are like this. And although this was done in a lab and further research should be done, this was definitely something that I found super cool. Shameless plug, we have a group in our research and education in the Arboretum class right now who's studying the antimicrobial compounds in certain trees on campus. So this is something that I'm really proud we can say we are extending upon. Yeah, it's super cool. I'm so excited to see what they come up with. I feel like they're being slightly mysterious, though, so I am really, I'm going to (laughs) be surprised when they pull out the really good research. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they got. Me too. There are a lot of other reasons why you might want a maple tree in your yard. They're really good landscaping trees because they provide shade and beautiful fall colors, but they're also great at sequestering carbon dioxide, and they're resilient in the face of poor conditions. They're great to sit under and read, or climb, and look closely at the pretty leaves. Although they're very well loved and really useful, there are a few reasons to worry about our maples. Oh no! I know. And I mean, it's really sad because this is something that's not only impacting maples, but all of our surroundings and nature. Since this is a maple episode, we'll just talk specifically about maples. Climate change has been really affecting maple trees, especially syrup season. So basically, with the warmer climate, we are facing and experiencing an earlier sap flow, shorter sugaring seasons, and more invasive species. But improvements in technology has definitely helped sugar maples expand their syrup season and increase their yields, but this may turn into a continuous uphill battle with the climate. You know, it's like, how fast can you get your technology to catch up with how fast the world is changing? So something that is also kind of why maples are particularly of concern is that they're pretty susceptible to disease because of their soft wood. Interesting. Yeah. No. It's really sad. maples. You know. So you guys may have to start tapping your trees in accordance to, you know, <laughs> Start in weather, December. Yeah. yeah, but as we've mentioned before, the point of an arboretum, especially like one that we have here, is to preserve the trees and encourage their conservation. So what kinds do we have at WashU and where are they? So we actually currently have seven different maples here on campus, and a number of them are common and the others are they're weird ones that you may yeah. not have heard of, but they're all really cool. So we've got the full moon maple, the Japanese maple, the Miyabe maple. We've got a paper bark maple, which is one of my favorites, actually. Mine we have too. the red maple, a sugar maple, obviously, and the three flowered maple. I want to hear more real quick about the full moon maple. What is I it don't think I can tell you much about the full moon maple. <laughs> yeah. We said we could tell you everything. We can tell you some things. 
The paper park maple is cool. <laughs> yeah. The paper park maple was one of the first maples that I think we went to because it's right outside the duck. And I think yeah. we only have one. Correct me if I'm wrong. This one's on the one if you guys want to like visit it. It's, oh gosh, how would you describe it? It's facing the road. It's yeah, it's on, on the other side. Yes. <laughs> They're really distinct because it's kind of going by their name. Like their bark really peels a lot. Yeah. And it's super thin. It's almost like wax paper the way it peels. You yeah. know what I mean? But what's cool is that they're trifoliate. I don't know if you knew that, but from one leaf, you actually have three separate smaller leaves that compose yeah. this singular leaf with one petiole. Oh, vocab check. A little vocab. <laughs> so once you see that bark and then once you see that leaf shape, you kind of can piece together that it's a paper bark maple. Sort yeah. of like poison ivy with the three leaves. I'm still, yeah. even though my name is Ivy, I still am so bad at identifying poison <laughs> ivy. What are your favorite maple trees? Do you guys have any ones in particular from home or on campus? Ooh, I really love red maples. I know that's the most common answer, but I do. I just love them. It's they're, common because they're so well liked. Yes, they're and they're gorgeous. gorgeous in the fall. Yeah. They're just like this fiery red. And I remember when I was little, I used to collect these fallen leaves and I would make little leaf bouquets and give them to my mom. And That's so I don't sweet. think she was impressed, but she did pretend. So No, she was definitely impressed. Uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I love her. She loves me. It's all good. Maples are great. What about you, Cam? So I actually don't know what kind of maple this was, but in high school, I sort of learned how to identify the entire Acer genus rather than like specific trees. What? Like just, just so by cool. like the five fingered leaves uh-huh. and yeah. then also just I guess the general shape of the tree so I just knew what a maple looked like so there was this huge maple at a park near my school it might have been a silver maple and it got super bright yellow and orange in the fall and I would just go lay next to it on my walks it was really nice that sounds delightful yeah what about you Faith I love sugar maples and like not just because of maple syrup but also I think I'm a little biased but they're super popular all over the eastern North American front And being from New York, I feel like I just grew up with them. And I love how their leaves turn gold and kind of like burnt orange and red. And because they color a little bit unevenly, it's possible that you can see all those colors in one tree at once. So it's kind of like wham, bam, fall in like one tree. That's a great description. (laughs) You're selling me. I might have to change my answer. (laughs) And maple syrup. I mean, you're a maple syrup girl. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That's kind of all that we have for you today. Visit the Arboretum website. You can find more info on all of the awesome maples on campus. Our sweet Logan does a wonderful job (laughs) cultivating and preparing that website. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you have enjoyed learning about the maples. Until next time, I'm Ivy. I'm Faith. I'm Kim. And this is Branching Out.